came back and reported on an exciting journey. So this morning, we would like to welcome Ivan to come up and share with us. Good morning. What a privilege it is to be here with you again. I was just asking Neil, it must be nearly 12 months since I've been here, and uh, it goes quick, doesn't it? 12 months goes so fast. I was looking out before, I can't see too many people now with the lights, but I was looking out before of all the familiar faces that I can see here. 25 years is a long time, isn't it? And some of you I've known for nearly 25 years, which is quite amazing, isn't it? Uh, We get older, we get wiser when we get old. No, (laughs) you would hope so, but sometimes we don't, do we? Jane sends her love, and it's so great because when you support us, you you get two for the price of one. Uh, Jane's ministering now at at our church, and it's Mission Sunday there also. So Jane is actually speaking there. And uh, so she sends her love and wish she could be here. But So she sent me along. Train, inspire, equip. If you like, that's our new logo, motto, uh, mission statement, you name it, that all involves that. And where we come from that with how we got it, we're actually doing a web page. And as we're actually looking at what we actually do to put on this web page, we come up with those three words, train, inspire, equip. So just like you know, the burgers are better at Hungry Jacks, uh, Christ for all children, what do we do? Train, inspire, equip. And if you look at those words, it's tie, T-I-E. So we, we didn't mean that, but anyway, that's the way it turned out. But what does it mean to train, inspire, equip? I actually look in the, in the dictionary and I looked at the words and these words, train, inspire, equip. Uh, to train means to instruct,
young. But then we realised and found out that they actually run the Sunday school. And the pastors there were saying that out in the country areas, what they do is they don't want to train the older ones because the older ones get married or move to the city, so they're trying to grab the younger ones. They're saying the 13, 14, 15-year-olds are the ones they want to train because at least they're going to get a few years out of them before they move to the city. Uh, so if you look at that picture, there's a couple of younger ones. That little boy at the front there just behind the banner, I think he was 12 years old. 11 years old, was he? 11 years old. So he was really young. Uh, but delightful young people who had a heart to serve God. And so we trained them for two weeks. Can I have the next one, please? Next one? And the next one. Okay, these were two of our students. And part of our training, we also equipped them. So we equipped them with material, but we also made these puppets. So these girls actually made those puppets. And let me tell you, they loved them. And, and they love their puppets. They're like their little babies with them and, and they nurse them. And we had a guy in, in India and he was just talking to this puppet. <laughs> we looked at him. No one else was watching and he's talking to this puppet. Just loved his puppet so much. But, you know, puppets are a really great way of actually drawing kids in. And we can use puppets to, to actually teach kids where we can get truths across with puppets that you can't with somebody just standing up and teaching. So puppets are another really important way that we equip them. Next one, please. Uh, there's Neil. Uh, Neil was a wonderful blessing. I don't know whether you appreciate what you've got here in this church with Neil Fairbrother. You know, Neil is just a <laughs> Neil is just such a faithful, faithful, faithful worker, and he's been supporting us with our ministry. Comes in one day a week, uh, cuts up all the craft work, he does all the butterflies and all those types of things, uh, and he comes with us occasionally. And we grabbed him, it was the last minute, and I said, Neil, come to Mongolia because we need you. So Neil came and did all the resources, but every morning I would get him to stand up and do a devotion with all the students. So he actually had the hardest part. He had to prepare about 20 messages, 20 messages. So every morning for two weeks with the students in the class and then our devotion before. So it was really, really hard. But let me tell you, God came through. And God was able to speak through him and just to encourage and, and just to, to really build up our students. Because it's tough sometimes. It's tough being a children's worker, as David Tonkin will tell you. Isn't that right, David? Sometimes it's really tough. And for someone to come along and just to encourage you and just to inspire you, it just really lifts you up. So Neil was there doing that, and he was just such a blessing. Next one, please. Uh, on the third week, what we try and do is we try and send our students out to do a practical so we teach them in the classroom for two weeks and then we sent them out for, for one week. And this was a team that I went out with. Uh, it, was right, it was 10 hours on the train down into the Gobi Desert, which was just barren, absolutely barren. Uh, if you have a look on Google and have a look at the, the Gobi Desert, you'll see there's just nothing there. But in that place where there's one little town, and these were the kids who just lived around that town. And our students went out and they were minute, grabbed the kids, brought them in. None of these were church kids. All these were kids that were outside the church and you know that's our purpose not only to encourage the church to build up and to train and disciple our own church kids but also to reach out and so that was that purpose of going there to show them that they could actually do it and here I think there was around about 35 kids that came in and that was just such a wonderful blessing so with all the five teams that went out Neil went to another place he actually went to the best place in Mongolia they say the prettiest place in Mongolia he went horse riding and everything did he show you the pictures on the horse? No, no, I didn't show him that picture, did you, Neil? <laughs> but 
But, you know, it's just such a blessing to go out with and to be with these teams and actually live with them. The hard part for me is none of my students that I went with could speak English at all. So for five days, I just read books. <laughs> I would go out and watch them what they were doing, but I couldn't communicate at all. So I was all sign language, so they would come into me and say, you know, time to eat and here's a drink and, and everything else and, and time for the lesson. And it was really, really quite special just to be with these people and go out with them. Next one, please. Can I have the next one up, please? Technology's great, isn't it? Oh, okay. This is uh, where this jacket comes from. It's actually from Nagaland. Nagaland is right after Neil came back. We left him in Kuala Lumpur. And Jane and I uh, met another guy. And we travelled up to Nagaland, which is the top of India. So there's seven states right up the top of India on the north East India, and one of them is Nagaland. Now, Nagaland is actually a Christian state in India, which is quite in incredible because years and years ago, about I think it was about 70 years ago, a revival went through that whole area. Massive revival, and the whole villages were just, whole tribes were born again and all came to the Lord. So, so that area is just an amazing place. But there's seven states in that whole area. So there's Nagaland, there's another one, uh, Mizoram, uh, uh, Arunachal Pradesh, there's Assam. So what we've, we've been there a couple of times now and earlier this year in January we were there and we went to five states training leaders. And so what they decided to do is bring the, out of the five states bring key peoples in and we could train them for two weeks. Now for them that was a big deal. Let me tell you, for these people to sacrifice for two weeks and it all had to be in English which was really, really quite difficult for them because not many of them could speak English well enough to come and sit in the class. So that limited who we could have. But we couldn't do five interpretations because they have five different languages. So that would have been really, really more difficult. So if you look at all these students here, they were quite young, the students. But let me tell you, you've got a heart for God. Next one, please. There's a papa they made uh, and some of the girls. Uh, they, they actually did a really, really good job with that. The papas up in India. We change the noses on them too. If you look, the noses are a little bit better on these ones. Uh, but, you know, again, it's equipping, it's training and inspiring. You know, one of the first things we do when they arrive with a training program, we ask them to write down their vision. Why did you come? What do you hope to achieve from this training? Many of them say, we only come because our pastor told us we had to come. That's okay. That's, that's all right because God will grab hold of them. And, and so a lot of them do come for that reason. Some come and they say, well, we have a vision to teach our children in the Sunday school. Great. So normally the vision the first day is around about you know, half a page. And then at the end, we ask them to write down their vision again. So after two weeks, we got these guys to write down their vision. And it was just amazing what God had done in their hearts. Not only did they have a vision to, to minister to their own kids, but to actually reach out to the areas. And one of the reasons, because we actually inspire them to go out Go out, reach the lost. Next one, please. This is one of our key students. She is just, I mean, she lives in an area called Shillong, one of the coldest places I've ever been. Uh, we were there a couple of years ago, and I nearly froze in the place. But this young girl, her name is Miriam. She's already so inspired. She goes out every Saturday, and she reaches street kids. And then on Sunday afternoon, she goes to another place, again, street kids. And she brings them in, and she ministers to them, She's involved with training. So all we were doing is really just equipping her, giving her more skills so she can go out. Now she's connected with all those other students. We had 50 students there, and she's connected with them, 
and now they're going to go out and help each other to train people in different areas. So isn't that wonderful? So that's what we're all about. We're not only just going in there, we want networking so they can work together after we're gone. Next one. Next one, please. Okay, these are our students. You can see some of the girls up the top there, they're really young. The boys are supposed to be on the bottom, but the boys are not coming up by lots of things. So we'll go on to the next one, thanks. Okay. When we think of missions, many of us think of missions as sacrifice. Don't we? You know, we, we read of people giving their whole lives to the Lord and sacrificing everything they've got. They sacrifice their money. They sacrifice everything. But let me tell you, missions is not about sacrifice. Because sacrifice is something that you give. You know you should give it, but you don't really want to give. Isn't it? A sacrifice. You, you would really... You know it's the right thing to do. And many times when we think of missions, that's what we think of, sacrifice. But let me tell you the next one, please. Missions is not about sacrifice. It's all about investment. It's all about investment. What are we going to do to invest into the next generation? You know, our whole purpose of going there was to invest into these young people, to put into them so they could actually go out and multiply what we taught. You know, Again, outreach is really, really important on our hearts because we know that's the heart of God. Can I have the next one? This next picture is really close to my heart because you see this little boy here. He's he probably around about 11 or 12 and he's holding up that cup. That was actually my cup. Jane and I take a jug with us so whenever we go away we can have a cup of tea or a cup of coffee and, and we have the cups. And that, that cup got wonky somehow and I decided to throw it out. It just wouldn't stand up properly. So it was frustrating me, so I put it in the garbage. The next morning we're walking out, and if you just look behind him, there's a pile of garbage. And across from our church, where we were staying, and it was a school, they just toss all their rubbish. So here, this little boy, I don't know his name, so we're going to call him one. Okay, we're just going to call him one. Okay, just one. Here he is, he's picking up the cup. And I walked past right as he's got that cup, and I said to Jane, that's my cup. So I got a photo of this kid. And the Lord really spoke to me that that cup, to me, was useless. It was rubbish. Rejected. Thrown out. And you know, in India, and many places in the world, many of our kids are like that. And this boy here is like that. He's rejected. He's despised. He lives across the road from the church, just outside the compound, there's hundreds and hundreds of kids there. And if you look at them, in the church, the church people walk past these kids every day and they don't even see them. And the kids are hanging around on the street. And the Lord really spoke to me, these are the kids that are rejected. Just like you rejected that cup, you thought it was worthless. Many people look at these kids and they just think they're worthless. Have a look in your Bible. I'm just going to quickly read now. And this scripture really just speaks to me. Matthew chapter 18. And remember this boy's name. What's his name? One. Okay. And it says, take heed, Matthew chapter 18, take heed, you, you do not despise one of these little ones. For I say to you that the angels always see the face of my Father who is in heaven. Verse 11 it says, For the Son of Man came to save that which was lost. Lost. He's lost, this boy. And then it goes on to say, What do you think if a man owns a hundred sheep and one... And one one is away, will he not leave the 99 and, and go and seek the one that is strained? And if he should find it, I say to you, surely he rejoices over that one, 
than the 99 did not go astray. Verse 14 says, Even so, it's not the will of your Father in heaven that one of these little ones should perish. Just one. One. You know, I, I looked at these kids around there, there's slums around this, this church, and, and I, I was trying to come to terms with, you know, here we were living and we were, had lovely food and, and everything, and, and you look out the window and you just see these, these slum areas, and, and you think, how do the kids feel? How, how would you feel if you lived in there? And, and it really touched my heart. So I said to the church, look, let's have an outreach. And, and again, the whole purpose of it was to, to try and motivate our students is to not just to look in the church, but to look out, to look out to the ones that are lost. And so at first they were really reluctant. And I said to them, no, look, we can do something, maybe Saturday afternoon. Oh, no, Saturday won't work. Uh, well, how about Sunday afternoon? Oh, oh, okay, but not many children will come. And I said, that's okay. What I want to do is I want to try and motivate our students to reach out. When they go home, these students came from 40 churches, by the way, all over the place. I want to motivate them to reach out. So Sunday, about 45 minutes before the program, we send our students out, just walking around. And we were expecting, I thought maybe we might get 40, 50, maximum 60, 70 children. Can we have the next one, please? All of a sudden, all these kids started turning up. Next slide, please. This was inside the church. 210 kids turned up. And it was just, it was just absolutely amazing. Because every one of them is one. Every one of them is one to Jesus. Every one of them, Jesus says, don't look down upon these ones. They're special to me. Their angels always see the face of my father. Each one of these kids... And it was just so exciting to see these kids. Now, let me tell you, it was hard work because most of them never go to school because the parents are just so poor they don't even send them to school. So these kids come in, and but they heard the gospel. And I was just so excited afterwards. We did some craft work with them afterwards and everything. And they were just so excited to be there in the church to, to know they were loved. And one turned up. He was there. And he heard the gospel. Now, I don't know whether he responded, but let me tell you, God was working in their hearts. And I know that many of those kids were touched by the Holy Spirit. The pastor told us afterwards that out of those kids, 70% of them would be Muslim kids. 70%, isn't that incredible? 70% of those kids were Muslim kids. And it really, really touched me. So is it a sacrifice? No, it's an investment. We're investing into this next generation. And after this, our students, they just come alive. They said, we can do something like this when we go home. And we said, that's right. <laughs> and we're going to train you and we're going to give you the stuff to do it. And when you get home, do it. Just do it. Got another the next one. On the, look at the look on those, that little girl's face down there. Isn't that incredible? She was just glued, absolutely glued. And God was touching their hearts. And, and it was just, it really touched me. It was really special just to see. Now, I see this all the time, but these kids were just, you know, these were the rejected. Nobody wants to go anywhere near these kids. They're dirty, they smell, and, and they're just nothing in the eyes of the world. But in the eyes of Jesus, let me tell you, they're precious, each one of them. Next one. There's one. See him up standing next to me? This was the following Sunday. 
and I was speaking up at church up well you can see the steeple right up the end there and I was walking along and there's one with his merry men <laughs> and if you look at them there's a couple of kids there who got no clothes on at all and, and I looked at him and I thought God how precious is, is he in your sight how much do you love this one boy if we can just touch his life just that one and change his life the whole trip the whole cost the everything involved because missions there's a cost there's a cost involved but if we can change that one boy's life the whole thing is worth it now I don't know what's going to happen to these kids but I do know one thing they've heard the gospel and they know there's people in that church that love them you know we can change the world we can change one at a time each one will you pray will you pray for these kids now I've got some uh, money here it's actually Indian rupees and I've laminated them so you can't you can't use them uh, but I've got about 25 of them after the meeting today if you would like to pray for these kids especially one you know I was trying to work out how can I get him into school Lord how can I do this how can I do I don't know it's up to God but I've got these, and if you would like to pray for the kids in that area, come up to me afterwards, and I can give you one of these, and you can just pray for those kids. Thank you for the investment into our ministry. You know, you've been sowing into our ministry for years and years, 25 years now, and you know, it's just incredible what God is doing, and you're part of that. So we so much appreciate you. We so much appreciate your gift. We appreciate your love. We appreciate your support. And please keep on praying for the kids. Pray for those ones, ones all over the world that God will just touch their lives and change them. Thank you. Amen. Can I call up Pastor Mike, Gary, Neil, of the outreach team and the pastors of the House and Leaders to come and pray for Ivan, actually, and Jane. Because uh, Ivan's about to go again, aren't you, Ivan? So off on Wednesday and uh, we're off to this one? China and Mongolia. China and Mongolia. So it's an amazing thing. Just reach out your hands and come through. Uh, Father, we do thank you for people that are called. Lord, you uh, gave gifts unto mankind, Lord, apostles, prophets, pastors, teachers and evangelists, Lord, for the equipping of the saints, Lord, for the work of the ministry. And Lord, our brother and sister have a very clear mandate from you, Lord, to equip, to train, Lord, to inspire, Lord, those particularly with a heart for the children. And Lord, ultimately you held back the judgment against Nineveh, Lord, because of the kids. Uh, Lord, you have a heart and a mind for the kids. So Father, we do pray your blessing, your protection and your provision upon this couple in Jesus' wonderful name. Amen. God bless you. Thanks, Ivan. Amen. As the stewards come forward, today we're going to do a little thing different. So the stewards are going to come around with a bag. That's actually for outreach. And um, if you like to prepare yourself to give this morning, it's a fantastic thing. As he said, it's not a sacrifice. It's an investment into the next generation. So as the stewards come around.
We're also going to pray for this morning's tithes and offerings. Uh, we do things a little bit different. We do have a box that is located just at the main entrance. You can actually give during before the service, during the service, or even after the service. But we want to thank those people that actually give online as well. We do have these cards that you can actually fill out your details. So praise God for those who take the time out. We want to thank you so much and keep sewing into it. We're so excited to actually be part of bigger things, not only sewing you know, to our local, but globally. You can actually see the fruits of the labor of not only just about money, it's about what goes in. The love of Christ is really evident throughout our nation and throughout our world. So let's just um, pray for this morning's offerings. If you just like to close your eyes. Thank you, Lord Father. We want to thank you, Father, that you are a true provider, and that everything good we have in life comes from you. We dedicate all we are and all we have to, to you on this day as living sacrifices. Help us to show and share your love with others today. Father, help us to be part of a miracle in other people's lives. As we've given our outreach offering, let it be a blessing to others. Thank you that your word is true and that your promises never fail. That you, thank you for meeting our needs when we live for you each day. We thank you. And God's people said, Amen. Fantastic. Thank you so much, Ivan. Great. Let's just give him another clap. He did such a great job. Very inspiring. God, we want to also welcome you. I'm going to quickly go through these announcements. We've got uh, some exciting. We've got Crystal and Pastor Mike continuing the series on Pursuing the Presence. So, excellent. So, we want to welcome new visitors. Just a little bit of a wave if you're new to our church today. Well, how? Praise God. Welcome. It's fantastic. We'd like to get to know you, so we'd love to share a coffee and have a chat. And also, you can get to know us, so stay back after the service. We do have a great cafe open for lunch. Now, there's a lot of things happening. And all the teens in the house. Wow, only one. Don't be shy about your ages. (laughs) All the teenagers in the house. All right. Okay, Empire Teens is back. Who's been going? It's been exciting. Every Friday, 6 p.m., the guys, you know, Praise God for our leaders, hey? Praise for the one who gives up their Friday nights and weekends to sow into our generation. So grab your teenagers, grab your friends, and continue to come out. It's at church every Friday night, 6 p.m. Sunday night lights tonight. If you enjoy today's worship, we've got more to come tonight. So come out. We're just going to worship and just soak up in the presence of God. And you know what? This is literally the start of the week. So what's best not to give your percentage to God and just, you know, get whatever is holding you back and just release it for the week to come. So 6 p.m. tonight with a meal, $5. Also, don't forget, we have Champion College who's been going along. It's been fantastic. A few things happening there. That's at 7.30. That actually ends on the 17th of September. And we've actually got um, introduction to counselling with Pastor Mike and Tanya. And we also got personal development, finance with Pastor Leonard. So it's been great. So... I tell you, you've got to thank him when you start being wealthy in Jesus' name. Amen. <laughs> so it's great that we've got great men and women that's sowing into us. All right, birthdays this week. Happy birthday. You have balloons. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Not a few ponies. All right, so happy birthday. Let's uh, just give them another clap. Let's congratulate them. So, and if we, 
If we didn't know it was your birthday, we want to say happy birthday to you as well. We'd love to celebrate. As I said last week, if you want to be registered on the database, um, you can ring the admin during the week and add your birthday on there. That'll be great. Now, we've been having great, exciting things happening since we started to pray as a church. Amen? Um, You know, the Bible's very clear that, you know, to pray in unity and just to be together and just to help our brothers and sisters who are in need. Because you know what? we get Life gets busy, but it's important to keep in touch with what's happening with our brothers and sisters, not only in our church, but what's happening around the world. So we're going to um, pray and believe, and we're going to have the faith. We're not going to have any doubts. We're going to come together as one, and we're going to believe for healing, for breakthrough, for every situation that's blocking anyone. We're going to pray that there is a new door, new opportunity in their life. So as a church, let's just extend our faith and our hands and let's just believe together. Father, we thank you. Heavenly Father, in obedience to your word, we pray that the prayer offered in faith to make the following six sick people well, so that you will raise them up, Lord. Gail Road, Pepsi Embassy, who is in hospital recovering from an operation. Bethany's mum, Sue, who has been diagnosed with cancer. Tomoko Warren, who has a broken foot, Nancy Powell, who's in hospital, and Jeff Glover, who is having more tests. And we declare that by his wounds, they are healed, Lord. We lift up those who are in need of a miracle, including Gail Rockley, Wendy Hill, the Jarvis family, Deb Carr, and Michelle Bolt. We pray for physical strength for Laurie and Robin Pages. We also ask that you would intervene with the migration department to permit our little African sister to stay in living to stay living in Australia. We ask for wisdom, grace and mercy, Lord. We pray for continuing protection and wisdom for our brothers and sisters in Asia Minor, that the angels will encamp around them, that underneath them they are the everlasting arms of God and grant them wisdom in dangerous times. We thank you for the return of those who fear that has gone astray and we continue to pray for restoration for those who still have not returned. In Jesus' name, together we declare it, Amen. Praise God. They are done. It is still. Praise God. All right. Well, we, as I said, we're going to continue our series, and I'd like to call upon Crystal first. She's an amazing woman who not only just preaches, but lives the life of worship. Amen. And Pastor Mike will follow. That was a long walk. Hi, guys. How are you going? Good. Awesome. Um, so this is the last lot of my jumbled thoughts that I thought I'd share with you about worship. Um, the first week that I spoke to you, I talked about how um, worship is a sacrifice and that it um, says in the Bible to offer up a sacrifice of praise. And it's kind of like your foundation for worship, that you need to you know, offer up that sacrifice of praise to God to um, just put, put him first and to do what he designed us to do. And then um, last week I talked to you about how it's um, a journey. It doesn't happen instantly. It's a relationship that you've got to work on and about how it's not just to do with um, musical talent. It's to do with what God's given you and what God's equipped you with that you can worship him with. And today I'm going to talk to you about um, how worship is warfare. Um, Dave Bolt likes to call worship warship instead of worship because it's, that's what it's about. It's really what it is. Um, when you think about it, Satan, who is an ex-worship leader, uh, with a little bit of a chip on his shoulder, um, will do anything and everything that he possibly can to stop you from taking his old job. Um, being a worshipper is like being on the front line of an army. You'll um, get arrows coming 
at you from directions you didn't even know existed prior to it happening. And um, you want, do, you know what, do you want to know what the exciting part is, though? You've got someone on your side who's already won the battle. So when you have those arrows coming, you can just declare, sorry, Satan, God's already won that one. You can attack me with sickness. You can attack me with tiredness. You can attack me with gossip, anything you like. All he's got to offer you on his little platter is lies. That's all he's got to give you. So he will come and say, oh, look, there's some doubt. No, that's still a lie. Here's some fear. No, that's still a lie. Everything he has to offer you is just a lie. In Chronicles, uh, sorry, 2 Chronicles 20, it talks about um, Jehoshaphat defeating Moab and Ammon. And the chapter talks about how a vast army is coming to defeat Jehoshaphat and that he prays to God. But then in verse 21 and 22, it says, After consulting the people, Jehoshaphat appointed men to sing to the Lord and to praise him for the, splen- for the splendor of his holiness as they went out ahead of the army saying, Give thanks to the Lord for his love endures forever. And as they began to sing and praise, the Lord set ambushes against the men of Ammon and Moab and Mount Seir who were invading Judah and they were defeated. So that doesn't say God asked them to praise and to sing and then he gave them swords and then they had to do the work themselves. It says God set ambushes for them and they were defeated. So the best part about worship is that when you offer up that sacrifice of praise and you go on that journey with God and you realize it's not anything to do with being able to sing on key, God is on your side. He has got your back. He knows what's coming. He knows where he wants you to be and he will align you for where he wants you to be in his glory. Another example is in um, Acts 16 where Paul and Silas sing praises and hymns in their jail cell. And God delivers them and sets them free. And in Joshua 6 um, is the story of Jericho where the army marches around the city and with a mighty shout on the seventh day, the walls of the city came tumbling down. And um, God always comes to the rescue of people who are bold-faced when they're praising him. He always will honour your sacrifice that you give. He won't ever see your effort and go, oh, that was very nice, but not quite what I was looking for. God appreciates everything that we do because that's what being in a relationship is all about. Um, The woman with the issue of blood had her disease for 12 years Um, and the culture of her time and the disease that she had required her to live outside of the city and be away from from her town and her people. Um, if you just imagine that we're all, you know, like a little community who lives in the same neighbourhood and everyone knows everyone and puts their little trash can, out, trash can out in the morning and collects their paper and says hi and waves a little cul-de-sac and um, it's just like this perfect little town and then you got sick. And so for you, you had to go and live outside the neighbourhood and any time anyone came into the neighbourhood, they saw you sitting out the front and... They thought, I don't want her or him to touch me. I've got a disease. I don't want to be near them. I don't want to associate with them. I don't want to do do anything like that. They're just an outcast. They're rejected. This woman lived in that situation for 12 years. And she hears that Jesus is coming to her town. And she knows enough about Jesus because she's heard 
that time when they read the prophecies and they, they read about what was going to take place and it was like looking forward to the times to come where things were going to get better, things were going to be easier. And they would read them together and they would, would get excited and rejoice that, that their saviour was coming. And they'd watch and wait for the promises of God in this way. And she knew that Jesus was finally here, that he was doing miracles and people were being delivered. And so she wanted healing and I would want healing after 12 years as well. And I just can't even fathom what she would have gone through on that day. To have to push past the culture that she lived in to be able to get inside the city gates to where Jesus was. Um, and then the Bible says that she had to push through the crowds of people. She wasn't allowed to do that. She wasn't allowed to be pushing people, touch, even being anywhere near them. She was supposed to be segregated. She was supposed to be outside, away, where nobody would be touching her. And the very moment that she even just touched the edge of his, of his garment on the bottom, not him, just the edge the healing virtue fueled her body and healed her so much so that the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords stopped and said, who touched me? The disciples looked at him and thought, what are you talking about? Everyone's touching you. There's not even a slight bit of personal space here. Like, what are you, what are you talking about, Jesus? And he said, no, someone touched me with faith. And guys, I don't want to be defined by my culture. I don't want to be stuck in tradition so much so that I can't have the power of God in my life. And if that means I have to go against what other people are saying against my life, if that means that I have to overcome something that I'm walking through or something that's trying to define me, if that means that I have to push it aside, I'm going to say, Lord, I'm going to push that aside and I know that you and your voice and I know that you're my shepherd. You just have to get filled up with what God says you are. Um, I said a, a couple of weeks ago that when, when you hear someone's voice on the phone, you know it's them because you've, you've heard it before. You, when they ring, they don't have to say, oh, hi, it's mum, because you know. You know exactly who it is because you've got that relationship with them where you can say, I know that person. I've talked to them all the time. We've got, we've got a, a bond, you know. And it's exactly the same way with God. We need to have that constant connection with him so that when he talks, we're here. And true worship is going to be that we're the children of God and we're walking through the valleys and the deserts. In the meantime, everything we're saying is, God, I trust you. Teach me who I am. Show me who I am. And I'm going to rely on you. You're my shelter, my comfort, my refuge and my tower. And I'm going to love you with all I am and give my hearts first. And then if you press into God and you give him the first of everything, the first of your time, the first of your attention, God gives that back and he fills it up to the top and overflows as well. And God will touch you every time. Every single time that you reach out, God will touch you. It might not be in the way you expect. Don't get me wrong. It's not going to be big trumpets and all that sort of stuff every time. But God will touch you every time. He will lay that thing in, this, in your path. He will speak to you in this. He will give you that scripture. He will give you what you need to get through. And that's why worship is warfare. Because there are a lot of things that will come against you. Like, for example, my week has not been the best. I um, was getting ready for this week from last Sunday, and I've been sick. I've got, you know, I'm run down, and, and people weren't showing up to things I needed them to show up to. And I just thought, oh, my goodness, how am I supposed to do this, God? Like, I've got a million things on my plate, and then it dawned on me, 
he knows he's losing. <laughs> he knows he's lost the battle, so he thinks, oh, I'll put that in her path and that'll stop her and this will... No, that's not how it works because God has already won the battle. And you know what, guys? You know when you, when you drop a, a drop of water into it, like a bowl or a pond or whatever, how the ripples come out? It doesn't matter how small that little drop is, those ripples still come out. When you make that little tiny step, doesn't matter how big it is, whether that means that my hands were here last week and I'll put them here this week, that's still going to make that step, that drop. And you know what? It's time that our, that our generation and our church starts striking the water. Like when, when um, Elijah struck the water with his cloak and the waters parted and he and Elisha walked through and then he was taken up to be with God and Elisha had asked for a double portion of his spirit and then Elisha did the same thing and was able to pass through at the same time. It's time we start striking the water, guys. It's time we start striking it on a Sunday. It's time we start striking it in our workplaces. It's time we start striking it with our family members who aren't, who aren't saved. It's time that we make a stand and that we start taking those little steps. And I just want you to watch um, a video that I've prepared for you. Um, I love spoken poetry. I love spoken word poetry. And this really spoke to me. Um, and I just want you to... It's got subtitles at the bottom if you can't keep up. But, um, yeah, just watch this and, and um, relate it to you. Thanks, guys. And here we stand toes wet from the dribbling Jordan, lapping at our feet. Our digits in river, our heels on sand, fearful our journey might end in defeat. For the river seems to move more jaded, not fluid, as it did when we first crossed its flowing sheets upon its bare bed that was made naked by that famous prophet's cloaked feet. For his strength was ample when he took up his mantle and struck the water's solid beach. But now, here we stand, our feet in sand, and all we want to do is retreat. We've all stepped up to this stream and heard the current of voices rushing through our heads that make our legs forsake his dreams for the sake of our screams. He couldn't have met me. We hear ourselves saying, I'm too weak, too ignorant, too meek, too indifferent. I'm too sinful, too lost, too simple for this cause. I'm a lawbreaker, a God traitor. I'm not fit to do this noble labor. And God looks down upon us wild excuse makers and says, No, you may not be great, but I in you is something greater. And that's when we start to remember when we received our call, that dream within our depths with which we are enthralled, and how for such a purpose God has withdrawn us away from the normalcy which formerly charmed us, how we left the idols to which we used to bow, as did the prophet the farmer's life disavowed, and in a holy act of sacrifice we too took up our sacred cows and left them all behind, burning on the plows. Now, here we stand, toes soaking in the Jordan, God's mighty cloak in our hand, His power, our fortune. This river is our proving ground to test whether our calling is certain. Our purpose lies on the opposite shore, where we stand, says complacency and boredom. Now, at this point, you may begin to feel burdened, but remember, 
You do not fight this battle with your own strength, but with his whose victory is already determined. These waves may be weighty, but his power is weightier. Your doubts may be binding, but he will be your vindicator. The torrent may be rushing, but he will be your savior. The call you receive may be great, but he who shall accomplish it is far greater. Now, take up your cloak and with all the strength you can squander, lay everything down and strike the water. God himself will be your partner as the waters begin their departure. Your waves of guilt and apathy will turn to walls of his adequacy. Your floods of fear and doubt will turn to ramparts of Jehovah's shouts and stretched out before you. There will be not a raging sea as there was hitherto, but a solid path of confidence and you'll make solid prince of providence as you march on to what you were born to do. So to all of you sick of playing it safe, getting by on good behavior, God is saying to you that he has something greater. To all of you dreamers disillusioned by the desire to be a world changer, God is saying to you that he has something greater. To all of us Christians who want Christ but not his cross, just want him as our savior, God is saying to us that he has something greater. He is saying, lay down your lives for the life of your neighbor. Give in to the demands of enemies and of strangers. Be the world's lover, though they be your hater. Sacrifice your bodies, not just your behavior. He is saying, show love in your flesh, not just your Bible's paper. Be the shattering of rods and the yoke's breaker. Make allies with weakness and be power's traitor. Develop a distaste for strength while meekness you shall savor. He is saying, be a Peacemaker, suffering saver, forgiveness curator, justice laborer, grace vindicator, true love translator, and his people shall answer. We will burn the plow, strike the water, be the good life slayer. We will be a church unsatisfied with being great, but we'll make ourselves nothing to make him something greater. Thank you. Yeah, uh, just incredibly impacting, isn't it? We've been called to live big lives. And, you know, what sin does, it makes us small, it squashes us, it removes, it devalues, it makes us void, it makes us rebellious. We, we, we put all our focus on making me God, pleasing this God, the God, you know, me being God, under my rule, my agenda, my plans. And we end up with these small, tragic, selfish lives. And the call of God is just for something so much bigger and so much greater than that. And uh, it is really incredibly challenging to understand what it is to worship God. Worship is about warfare. And, you know, many of us struggle with problems. You have problems? Uh, you know, we... As a family, we have significant problems right now. My daughter has a serious health scare. My wife has Parkinson's disease. I've cracked the head. Well, someone's cracked the head in the in the, in the woman in the uh, my wife's shopping trolley. Uh, you, there are problems, aren't there? But how we face our problems will come about either we will be a worshipper or we will be a warrior. 
And here's the thing. We want to fix things. We want to actually find out the answers, get the right money, get the right uh, outcome, whatever. And yet, if we will but worship God, victory comes. Deliverance comes. And we see that over and over again. We've seen a couple of great examples that uh, uh, Crystal's put out for us. But, you know, even when, uh, you know, just a couple more we could throw in, there's the time when Jesus said to the disciples, I want you to cross over. And so the fish, they get into a fisherman's boat and they start rowing across the Sea of Galilee and all they do is get into a big storm, don't they? And they're almost drowning. Drown. What Jesus does is he goes up to a high place and he spends time alone with God. So different to what we do, isn't it? You know, they used man's method. He used God's method. He went and prayed, and at the right time, he just appears on the scene, doesn't he? Not stress, not in calamity. There is just power when we worship. The default attitude of an authentic believer should be gratitude. Um, I I, I even dislike using the language Christian these days because I think Christian just is such a stretchy word. It means so many different things. Christian probably means non-Buddhist. Christian probably means uh, non-Islam. Christian probably means to some people that you're judgmental, that you can't smile, that you can't have fun. To some people, that's what Christian means. So there's so much baggage with that term. I don't even know like calling it now. But So I'm saying if you're an authentic Christ follower, if you are someone who surrendered their life to Jesus Christ, just not as Savior but as Lord, within you today the default attitude should be gratitude. There should be something here that says, I am glad to be alive and I'm glad that I know Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior that I have actually been born in a wonderful country. I've got food. I've got uh, shoes to wear. We have all these incredible things that one doesn't have and we should be just full of the gratitude of God. Uh, I think I shared with you, they did a survey recently of the last 500 songs to be published, Christian songs, Christian music, and of those, about half of them do not mention God at all. About half of them. They mention you. So I'm singing to you, you know, I will follow you, you know, you. Now, the trouble is with that is you may not know who you is. That's the difficulty. Who is your you? Who is your Jesus? Who are you singing to? And our great challenge is to move from this very temporal world that's locked down on that which we can push a button to get our answer to. You know, just Google it, and we've got to reach out to this transcendent God. Currently, I am doing a master's course. I'm completing my master's in ministry um, reasonably quickly. Thank you, Jesus. And right now I'm studying the doctrine of God, particularly the doctrine of the Trinity at a master's 500 level. It is the hardest thing I've ever done in my life. It is kicking my head in, literally. The more I read, the less I know. The, the, the moment I sort of get it figured out a little bit, I'm, on suddenly, suddenly, um, I'm suddenly just going, uh, my, my head has turned to custard again. And so 
not only do I have to try and figure out this incredible thing of who God is or what God is, but then I've got to try and find out what St. Augustine thought he was, what uh, John Calvin thought he was, what uh, Karl Barth thought he was. I mean, all these guys were geniuses, literally seriously smart people. I'm not that smart. <laughs> the best I can do is dribble out of the mouth both at the same time, you know, both sides. That's, I'm on the level. <laughs> it's kicking my head in. And what, one of the things I'm picking up is this, is that this. We cannot know God unless God wants to make himself known to us. We have no ability as human beings to understand this thing, essence, this what called God. We do not know him who we say we worship. We're now singing songs to that whom we do not know. We're now worshipping that. And for some of us, worship is an experience. It is uh, an experience because it's the right mood, it's the right atmosphere, and we do not know what we worship. St. Thomas Aquinas, as a young boy, five years of age, asked his uh, lecturer, who at that stage was the smartest man on the planet, um, Albert the Great, scientist, whatever, asked him, what is God? What is God? 2,000 years later, the best minds that have ever walked the earth still can't answer the question, what is God? We still don't know. But here's the incredible reality, is that God wants to show himself to us. And if we will simply orientate our heart towards the living God, it's an amazing thing that the God of the universe wants to show himself to us. And I believe that is an infinite and never-ending experience. I don't know why some people get saved and some don't. You know, I'm quite conscious in the room today there are some people that are distracted, there are some people that love God passionately, that some people don't even understand what I'm talking about. I understand we have a mixed congregation. How did, how did Mike get into this encounter where one day I actually met Jesus Christ. I had a revelation of Jesus face to face and he changed my life forever. Why me? And the only thing I can put it down to is that one night I was so depressed. I mean, I'm saying so depressed. I'm thinking the options of suicide, throwing myself in front of a car. I mean, I'm a bad place. And out of just total, sheer helplessness and desperation, I said, God, if you exist, show me. It wasn't a particularly clever prayer, was it? Not that smart. But you know what? There was a God in heaven who heard that prayer for a 16 year old alcoholic manic depressive sexually immoral on the run from the law I simply said God if you exist show me and he did not my way not my time not my expectation but he did there was a guy called Moses in the Bible He actually knew a lot about God. He heard God's voice. He met God 
in an incredible experience in the burning bush, was asked to take off his sandals because the place in which he stood was holy ground. He heard the voice of the God say, go, set my people free, gave him miracles and signs so he could take up his staff, it could turn into a snake, he could put his hand and it could change the leprosy and back. I mean, and he did 10 plays. He knew something about God, amen? He knew something about God. Towards the end of his life though, and this is the... This is the person that the Bible says God spoke with Moses face to face, presence to presence. At the end of his life, he says, God, I just want one thing of you. Show me your glory. Show me your goodness. And then Exodus chapter 34 takes him up and puts him in the cleft of the rock. It says, you can't even look upon my goodness in its fullness. We can't even comprehend all of God now says, all I can do is just let you see the shade of me go by. I wonder what would happen if we would simply come into the presence of God and say, God, show me who you are. Show me. And you've got a storm of anxiety in your life and you suddenly see God as peace, eternal powerful peace. You've got sickness in your life. You suddenly get a revelation. That's disclosure. We use that word all the time, but we don't understand it. Unless God shows, we don't see. It's not words. It's revelation. And I get a revelation that God's the healer. Healing flows. God, show me who you are. Moses says, God, who are you? What's your name? Because if I can name you, then I know who you are. He says, well, I am who I am. It's an invitation, guys, for you to know who the I am is. I am. I am healing. I am peace. I am joy. I am your strength. I am your bright morning star. This is the invitation God wants us to bring to. I think the devil is frightened of a worshipper. I think that uh, walls can come tumbling down when there are worshippers in the house. (laughs) I believe that Jordans can be split open when there's worship in the house. I believe that uh, when uh, God will come, he will come to a praising, worshipping people. And so I just want to encourage all of us to join the worship team, to be a part of it all. I was going to show you, but time's gone by. I was going to show you that little video I've done before because it just amazes me of the girl who's given for a birthday present a brand new sports car. Remember me showing that one? In brand new Sports car. It's a red one. And she comes out and she has a major hissy fit. She is not happy. Because you know I don't like red ones. (laughs) How dare you do this to me? She gave me a red one. Guys, sometimes we behave the same way. God wants us to be extravagant worshippers, to be like the woman in Matthew chapter 26 that comes with an alabaster bowl, a precious bowl full of precious appointment and she pours it out. It's extravagant and the perfume fills the room. 
I'm looking for a smell in this house. I'm looking for a smell of God in this house. I'm looking for the smell of the Holy Spirit, a smell of victory, a smell of chains being broken. And it comes out of worship. Amen. So let's get the worship team up and we'll finish with break every chain. Break every chain. Fantastic. Thank you. If you don't know Jesus Christ, your own personal Savior, please don't leave today without just uh, checking that out. God loves you. He has a plan for your life. It's a good plan. And he came all the way from heaven to hell so that he might save and rescue you. God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. It's really important. In the movie Blood Diamond, it's a rough movie. It's M rated M. Very, very traumatic sort of a situation where this little boy is kidnapped and made a, a child soldier. Child so- He's brutalized. He's exposed to drugs and to things that just no young person should ever be exposed to. And he has a father who loves him. And uh, so he's trying to get back his son. He has to team up with this journalist, uh, Caprio, to try and... You know, it's connected with this diamond, but the, boy, the, the father is after the son. And there's this uh, scene where eventually the father gets to the son. The son is now a child warrior. He's forgotten who he is. His mind's all messed up. He's got a gun. He just sees this man running towards him, and he picks up his gun, and he could pull the trigger at any time. And the father says this. He says, stop. I am your father, and you are my son. You are a good boy. Your mother loves you. And you have a family. You like to play soccer. You want to grow up to be a teacher. You are my son. And I've come to take you home. And in that minute, so like the memories came back, and you suddenly realize who he was. Ladies and gentlemen, you have a heavenly father who loves you. The prodigal father is all about welcoming the son home. Can you hear the voice of the Holy Spirit today saying, You are my son. You are my daughter. And I've got a good place for you. A good plan for you. Do you remember who you are? Or will you be just touched and destroyed by the life and the greed and what this world has thrown at you? It's really important that you come home to your loving father. So please do not leave today without getting that sorted. I'm going to be sitting right over there at the end of the meeting. And uh, if you'd like to come have a chat with me, we can talk that through and I can pray with you. Is that, is that cool? Can we do that? Fantastic. Let's break some change. Break every chain. Break every chain. There is power in the name of Jesus. There is power in the name of Jesus.